Well, welcome to the front porch. I'm Lewis Love. I'm Sabini Anyabwile. It has to be to y'all with that deep, that deep, <laughs> them pipes. Yeah, that that radio that radio voice that's that's the beauty. <laughs> it's, it's a face for radio too, brother. Oh, oh no, man! You you know with the with the new you know pandemic beard that you have the shelter in place beard, man. I think it's I think it's sharp, man. You look real uh, dignified, man. You know in a kind of like Moses type way. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's hilarious well, let, since you mentioned that let me ask you this man is it just me or is it that our brothers our brothers these days man wearing more facial hair is that is that kind of a thing that you've noticed that just me just it's like brothers are rocking their facial hair man a lot more yeah i think you're late bro that's been that's been a minute man these philly See? beers and all that good stuff been See? a minute um, been a minute what's so the minute like Oh, it's been what twenty years, fifteen years. Twenty years. Maybe I just haven't noticed. Maybe the the brothers in my circle weren't doing it. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much because see, we was running in them suit and tie circles for a long time. That's it. We were in them suit it. and tie circles, clean shaven circles for a long time, and uh, uh, the, the only one with a beard was was your son, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Curtis, yeah, he, like uh, 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 Elijah Muhammad on vacation. He did, you know, man. He didn't let it all grow out. It, it was, it was down, it was hanging all down by, all down by his, by his navel. <laughs> sister Crockett, uh, you know, dear sister in the Lord, she said, Pastor Love Curtis, Curtis could go out there run amongst the Amish people. <laughs> he could be Amish. <laughs> that's, that's about right. That's about right. <laughs> that's man, that's that's. A, but you know, it's interesting, man. I, I I think I had a little bit of a depression, man, a couple of days ago, man. Don't 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 look so serious, man. It was it was. <laughs> I was, I'm like, what is going on, man? And I and I forget what I forgot what it was, man. I ain't had a suit on since March, man. It'd be almost a year pretty soon. Come on, bro. Since Come I've on, had bro. a suit and a tie on. Now you know I'm, I was a suit and tie brother. Yeah, yeah. I hear. You. I hear you. do you feel free yet? No, man. I feel like something's missing. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I and you know, and then um, we've been. Uh, new life here in Waukegan, we have not met since March of, of yeah. last year. The second, we, our last time was the second Sunday of March, 2020. Mm-hmm. And so then, I think something's going on too, man. Not be able to, certainly not be able to meet with the people. That's that's that, that's a given. We've talked, people talk about that a lot. But I think uh, also with 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 pastors or, or or preaching ministers, right, where you preach all the time, I think standing in front of the congregation and that interaction has been, that's been that's I've missed that man. It's and and I think well, you know, <clears throat> we're doing it virtually. I don't care. It's not. It's just not the same. same. It's not. Uh, it's not. Not even close. Yeah. Not even, not even close. close. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Yeah, man. So maybe I maybe I just should have put a tie on and a shoot a suit and a tie on this coming Sunday, man. Maybe I should just do that, right? So, so let me go ahead and tell truth and shame the devil. Go ahead. It, it, it's been a few days around here where I put on a suit and tie, man. See, just, see, uh, talk about me all the time. See, you, you're the fundamentalist. 
<laughs> You're the fundamentalist, man. <laughs> man, it's been it's been a few days where it's like I need to look like somebody. I need to, I need to, I need to dress like I'm a grown man. I'm walking around here like I'm 15 uh, with with sweatpants on and whatnot. It's like that's cool for a minute, but sometimes you got to dress the part, brother. You got to you got to step up. <laughs> See, I knew I knew we would be I knew we would be uh, we would be uh, recording this podcast today, right? <clears throat> and uh, so we do it, you know. Visual, I could actually see you. You can see me, but um, I was gonna put on a hoodie, see, and I'm like, T never seen me in no hoodie. I, I never I, seen I, hoodie. I didn't put it on, man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look like I like I've been working today, man. <laughs> Can't go down there in no hoodie. <laughs> Listen, the people need to know if you show up in a hoodie. Jesus showed up next. That's gonna be he gonna, he gonna be right behind you on that. <laughs> well, see, I don't want to. I don't want to give. I don't want to give people no false timelines. So I would. <laughs> so I put a sweater on, man. I put a sweater on. <laughs> okay, so we've talked a lot of nonsense now for the last uh, few minutes or so. Let's get out. Why? Why are we uh, having this podcast today? And actually, T, it kind of. Um, it kind of kind of coincides with what we talked about uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Um, <clears throat> and actually someone wondered if we were going to do a follow-up on the podcast on the Creek Collective and what it was about, its origin and its mission. And so I kind of want to take, you know, one, one of the uh, pillars of, our, of what we call a theory of change. Anyone goes on the creekcollective.org's website, you, you'll see... You know, on our on our page for our mission, you will see where there's a nice diagram and there's like four four pillars of that. Right. And uh, one of them. <clears throat> well, let's I'm just going to name them so people know what I'm talking about. Invest. <clears throat> we pull investments of prayer and relationships and finances and things like that to work together. Uh, insert. That's when you get on the scene. You're, you're where the action is. Right. Uh, we can't reach people we don't live with, so we're there, we're touching people, right? Uh, the third one is insure. That's, that's about mercy ministry. And the fourth one is indigenize, right? We want folks actually from the community itself involved and, and leading, these, leading these ministries. And then for those of us who are, who are transplants in, right, <clears throat> we want to go from being unrelated outsiders to accepted uh, outsiders uh, who submit to local local leadership. The third one's what I want to talk with you about, T, and that's the one that deals with uh, mercy ministry. Let me just read to you what the Creek Collective um, um, theory of change says. It says, because people we hope to reach face an avalanche of physical, financial, social need, we recognize Churches will need to commit themselves to acts of mercy <clears throat> as well as advocate for neighbors in need. So we aim to plant churches that ensure against the deprivations of poverty, of poverty by caring for both the spiritual and temporal needs of their neighbors as the scripture warns. Now for our, patch, our passage for that is, is, is Titus uh, Chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. 
These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. <clears throat> all other kind of, so all several, several passages in the, in the New Testament alone, uh, Thibiti, that, that um, undergird the need for having ministries that deal with both the spiritual and temporal needs of, of folks they're, that they're wanting to and hoping to reach. What I, what I want to ask you is why, why did the Crete Collective feel it necessary to single this area of ministry out? I mean, it seems to me, wouldn't this or shouldn't this be obvious? <laughs> so yeah. why, why, why single it out? <clears throat> who is that? Maybe, I think it's G.K. Chesterton who said that uh, we have now sunk to the place where the first duty of intelligent man is to state the obvious. Right. We've gotten, we've gotten to the place where, you know, we, stating the obvious is, is a duty and, and not to be taken for granted. And part of the part of the why of that is, um, honestly, if you're coming out of um, many conservative, evangelical and reform sort of contexts, there is a, a really strong skepticism to mercy, and I would say not just mercy, but also justice ministries, right? Okay, okay. Um, so okay. that people view it as like the first step down a slippery slope to the social gospel. Now, what that, what that, what that sort of re, uh, reveals is on the one hand, there are some people who've gone down that slope, right? Sure. Uh, so that's real. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a complete sort of delusion. That, that can happen, has happened. Uh, but I think the fear of it has exaggerated the the, the temptation or the mm-hmm. tendency of that to happen. Um, but the other thing is is that I think it also reveals that if you're coming out of those sort of evangelical, traditional evangelical, conservative evangelical backgrounds, then you are coming out of a background that is highly influenced by German pietism. It, it sees itself as a heart religion. Uh, it, it, it sort of stresses that what matters most is one's personal spiritual relationship mm. with the Lord. And so what you have is, um, to, to borrow a phrase from, from, from a writer a few years back, what you have is a church that's not been decapitated but decorpulated. Mm. It's, it's had the body cut off. It's, it's had any sense of a theology of the body, a theology of the place, of, of sort of uh, the Christian life as enfleshed, uh, or to use the word a lot of people use, incarnational, sure. that engages the world in these matters, that's been largely cut off and anathematized. Um, and so saying this and being clear about this is really important to us because we actually think that, that the body needs to be rejoined to the head, um, that this part of the spiritual life of evangelical churches, at least, is underdeveloped, and we want to self-consciously argue from the scripture uh, and from other Christian resources, Christian history, things of that sort, uh, that this is not just an optional thing that churches ought to do. This is part and parcel um, to the to the ministry and the calling of local churches, and and we need again those who are coming out of those contexts where this is not emphasized, and even those who are coming out of the context where it's overemphasized. We need to sort of go back to the scripture and re-disciple ourselves uh, to embrace this for the glory of Christ and for the blessing of neighbor. 
So join, joining the body back to the head. Now, you're going to have to say that, not decapitated, but because folk going <laughs> to say, they will say, what did he say? What did he say? <laughs> Decorpulated. Decorpulated. That's a word. That's a word. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just means to cut off the corpus, to cut off the body. Mm. Um, and so I think, again, in a lot of ways, not just when it comes to sort of the body doing mercy and justice, but in a lot of ways, even down to something like church membership, many people's vision of the Christian life is a Christian life that is depopulated, where the body is non-essential. Mm. Uh, and and that's that's an unhealthy vision. It's an unhealthy sure. vision. And it's interesting, having, having spent uh, many years in evangelicalism, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, you, it's, it's not really... It's not like it's a suggestion or that it's it's kind of blatant, right, when it comes to what your emphasis should be. Yeah. You know, we we're inter- we're interested in in people getting saved. We're, we're interested and we are. We're not. But mm-hmm. but that that was it. We're interested in in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Right. We're interested in in, in uh, make sure they understand the gospel. They understand, yeah. you know, the doctrine. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, when it comes to um, doctrine and then duty, you know, the, the emphasis was really was really on the doctrinal piece. Uh, and yeah. and so when it came when so when Paul um, says that, well, you know, one of the purposes for your new life Mm. It's good works. You, matter of mm-hmm. fact, you were created for that. <laughs> right. That you, you know, that, that's 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 one of the reasons. I mean, we are now we are His workmanship, created right. in Christ Jesus, right, for good works. Yep. Right. And so, and and I like I like the way, um, you know, Titus, uh, the passage in Titus, right. It 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 um it spells it out so we're not confused. Mm-hmm. Right. So we. We're, we need to learn to devote ourselves to good works so as to be to help causes of urgent need. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we just look where the urgent need is. That's and right. You don't have to look far in, in, in neglected communities. That's right. No, that's far. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. And, and, I, and I'd go I'd go further. I, I, I would say that if you go into a neglected community, any community, but we, we, our focus is neglected, sure. yeah. vulnerable black and brown communities. Yeah. If you go into a neglected community. And, and you allow yourself to see the, the staggering mm. amounts of needs around you, but you close your heart to it. I, I want to suggest to you that you actually are not walking in love, according to First John. Right. Um, and then secondly, you're actually um, not preserving, but actually denigrating the gospel um, in the lives of, of the people that you, you, you claim to witness to. Uh, because if folks understand, people who are not Christians, if they understand anything about Christianity, they understand that Jesus loved people and his followers should love people. That's right. right? So they, if, they don't, if they don't get nothing else, right, they, they have that locked in, even even if it's purely out of self-interest, right? Sure. They got that. You're supposed to love me. Really. God loves me. You're supposed to love me. Right? And so to, to sort of walk into communities where there is such ample opportunity to love, to do justice, to do mercy— and to say that's not our business, we got to recognize that for the cold heart, mm. the cold, unloving heart that that is, and we got to recognize that for 
the ways in which it actually witnesses contrary to the character of God and sure. the gospel. And, yeah, it's negative witness. And in one way in one way of getting around that T is is just not to walk into those communities. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Right. Which is why right. um, there is an urgent need for the work of the Creek Collective. Amen. Uh, Amen. To, to walk into, because uh, you can just ignore them, That's neglect right. them, right? That's right. And uh, out of sight, out of mind, out of mind, yeah, and, and, and out, out, of, and out and of heart. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. That's why I phrased the way I said to allow yeah. ourselves to that's see right. it. That's right. Because yeah. we, we practice not seeing the need. We practice not seeing the brokenness sure. for, for lots of reasons. Sometimes because it just really is overwhelming. But oftentimes because uh, we have discipled ourselves into not caring. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've discipled ourselves into thinking that the only remedy to those things are individualistic remedies. Um, and so therefore, Churches have no no responsibility for getting involved in helping people. Interesting. You you mentioned you you said sometimes uh, um, the need is overwhelming. In, in some neglected communities, the physical temporal needs can seem to be astronomical. Yeah. A brother or a team might might not even know how to begin. <laughs> now mm-hmm. now we understand communities differ, right? But can you yeah. can you offer perhaps some some first steps that could be used? or at least might be transferable to, to most communities. You walk, yeah. you know, you look around, it's like, oh my goodness. First steps, first yeah. things, yeah. Yeah, so in, in black and brown communities, in, in African-American, Hispanic, uh, many Asian-American communities, um, say Korean churches, things of that sort, um, the first step is to go kiss the ring. <laughs> so, yeah, go, you gotta go kiss the ring, man. You gotta go meet the existing pastors, the older pastors, the established pastors and churches. You're not the first person there, and and you won't be the last one. And and you're not the first one to say you love the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, that's just a saying for you. But those older established pastors, it's a life for them. Yes, they, right. they they've been doing it right, and so the, you gotta pay appropriate deference and homage and respect um, to folks who've been doing the work, right? It, it is already their community. You're, you're the sure. newcomer, right? All right, you're the newcomer. You're looking at first to be a kind of acceptable outsider, um, but that's, you got to recognize your outside status. Sure. And I think, I think we have to do the work of meeting those folks, listening to folks, um, doing so in a non-judgmental way. It's interesting how, how quickly planters come into a neighborhood sort of waving the banner. We're here to do it right. We're here to fix things. Da, 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 da. Um, and then also how quickly they get humbled um, very often. That's right. And so first step, first step, just meet people and listen to people and learn from people um, and, and, and honestly seek the blessing uh, of folks who are already there in the neighborhood, living there, trying to do the work, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Now that I said, I said do that with pastors, but I think you also need to do that with other community leaders. You know, whether it's the it's the person who leads the neighborhood watch on your on that blog, or whether it's a community activist of some sort. You know, Miss Maria, who's been there fifty years <laughs> and graduated from the high school, and you know, makes you can't do nothing without her approval. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you need to go meet Miss Maria, and you need to serve Miss Maria, and to learn from her. And so, one part of it is just. Uh, enter the community as a listener, uh, right, and, right. and meet people and humbly listen. Yeah, because yeah. you can learn. You can learn a lot, right, man? Because, like you say, those huh. guys, the, people have been there, 
and and they they looking at you and saying, "Well, he wasting his time with that one." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. If he, <laughs> right. If he had to just, you know, he could have just asked me. I could have told him, like, "There's another way of getting around that." But he, he, yeah. Let's just sit here. He went right. down there, but he's gonna be right back in a minute. That's <laughs> exactly right. right. That's exactly right. right. He's gonna That's be exactly right back right. here so fast because, and so I think that, I think you're right when you use the term respect to me. Uh, that's important. It's important to respect some of those old soldiers mm-hmm. who have who have been on the battlefield, you know, a long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they do know, they know some ups and downs uh, and ins and outs. And they can, and perhaps they're just, they might just be sitting there waiting for someone like yourself, mm-hmm. who's eager right. to, to help, who's eager to serve. And, right. um, and they, they're willing to point you, they're willing to work with you and point yeah. you into, in the right direction Make sure you're not uh, wasting your time. I was looking in my, um, I'm not good at remembering titles of books that I've, that I've read, but the brother that you, matter of fact, you recommended the book, uh, Church Forsaken. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Brooks. I Jonathan love that. That's Brooks, a great man. piece. It is. And he's, he was talking about the neighbor lady, mm-hmm. right? And he thought he was slipping in and out of the house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. You know, that was hilarious, right? Because he thought, yep. he, and, and she had her eye on, every, she knew what all the kids, knew what the kids were doing, knew, knew his schedule, yep. man, because I can't think of her name, but man, she knew exactly what was going on. Yep. And uh, yep. I mean, she's skilled at that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and think about it, man. You know, the folks who live in the neighborhood like that. Um, they have a, a much deeper investment in the neighborhood than you do as a new coming church planter. That's right. Right. That's right. So, so she was watching out for him because she watches out for the neighborhood. Right. right. Yeah. And, and in watching out for the neighborhood, she was watching out for him. She got to know him in ways he didn't even know he was known. That's right. Knew, <laughs> knew he was the pastor, knew the routine in the backyard. When the stuff popped off in the front yard, she right. and the, and the brothers who hung out on the corner, they were looking out for him. That's right. Right. And so, you know, he was discovering there were riches in the neighborhood that he didn't know of. And I've had the same experience of, you know, from people gathering your mail off the steps because they know, you know what, if you stay out there too long, somebody going to get it um, to, to all kind of things. Sure. Right. And so um, that's the other thing, too, I think, in terms of a second a second step, if you will is you need to listen to the neighborhood long enough that you can begin to sort of stratify the neighborhood. Mm. You, you you sort of know the different pockets of the neighborhood, the different types of persons in the neighborhood. And then secondly, I think we need to be in the neighborhood and, and sort of know and listen to the neighborhood long enough that we start to see the resources and the resiliences that are there, mm. right, yeah. on which we can build and depend and join, right? So that woman, you know, thinking about Jonathan's anecdote, <laughs> She ain't showing up on nobody's, you know, sort of call list right. as people you got to get to know. And yet to live on that block, she's someone you probably need to know, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and she's carrying history and resources and resilience that's actually kept the block together, Yeah. right? Um, and, and that strength, it doesn't, you know... It, it's not the kind of strength that comes with a slick, you know, sort of business card and advertises itself as strength, but it is strength nonetheless. And, and I think we want to develop a nose for finding that and mm. building that and partnering with that. 
um, as as part of our long time long term work in the community. You know, and she gives she gives credibility to you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We we need her more than she needs us. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's been doing life in the community for 50, 60 years, right? She That's know how to do it. We come in and learn, right? That's right. She, we need her way more than she needs us. And um, we need to have that attitude as we think about planting uh, in, in neglected neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, I, go ahead. Go ahead, T. Go ahead. I was say, there's one cat that we, we were building with here. He's a, he's a, a fellow pastor. Um, also has this uh, ministry called Breadcoin. And uh, Breadcoin is like a little token, it's like a little coin that they give out to people uh, who are in need. And they can take that that coin or that token to businesses that are participating and use it like cash, right? So rather than giving cash, you get this coin, you can go buy some groceries, buy a meal, whatever. Um, and so he was sort of talking about, we had him over to the church once to talk about the ministry and he was talking about the ministry and talking about his pastorate. And uh, he, he told his story and he talked about um, trying to get involved in community work and losing some members because of it. And looking up and discovering that the members that he had left were members that, you know, again, had been struggling with drugs or, you know, other kinds of things who just been broken by life. And... Um, he, said, he talked about having a conversation with, with those folks, and, and some of those folks were expressing appreciation for his ministry and encouraging him. And he just broke down weeping. And he says, because he had to say to them that they had saved his ministry and saved his life wow. and saved his vision of Christianity. Because, you know, in, in living and serving folks who are coming out of the prison, folks who are in prison, living and serving people who have just been busted by the block, he was just sort of discovering a compassion and a zeal uh, uh, for mercy and for justice that when he was surrounded by middle class folks who kind of had it all together, he wasn't developing. He didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so like they saved my life in that regard. And I think that's I think that's real. I think that's wow. true. Breadcoin. It was called Breadcoin. Yep. That brings me yep. to something else I want to I want to ask you or chat with you about because sometimes um or actually many times it does it does it takes some creativity mm. thinking in ways traditional church planting has not thought about uh, in particular and then um yeah just when you're in neighborhoods you know <laughs> traditional or maybe some inside the box ways of getting things done might not might not work right so you have to think mm-hmm. of things that you might not have thought about before one thing that arc is doing one initiative that arc took uh, that 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 you've been involved in is a job fair. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now, having spent some time in employment services, this caught my attention. I'm like, wow, <laughs> man. So they do the job fair, right? So, man. So thinking, create, thinking, being creative, and then tell us about that um, about how that job fair thing worked out, man. For you, for yeah. what you no, that's good, man. That. Well, I, you know, so I think one of the things we we want to learn to do is um, trust God's providence, right? <laughs> So we were every year I, I do a series where we go through our core objectives as a church. We begin the year that way. And one of them is, is showing mercy to our neighbors. Right. Mercy. And so in that sermon, I talked about, you know, the, the, the ways in which churches normally put 80 percent of their resources into benevolence. And then, you know, 10 or 20 percent, if that much, into sort of more fundamental uh, efforts like jobs, right? Because if you can get a guy employed, 
then that'll take care of the benevolence need, right? <laughs> right. But, but we're way downstream, and we need to move back upstream. And a couple sisters came up to me after and said, hey, you know, we should really talk about this jobs thing. We should sort of push the ball down the road. And they, they agreed to do a little homework and whatnot. So here's the other thing, Brother Planter. You, you know, if folks show some interest, give them the assignment. Right? <laughs> yeah. let, you let them do it. Let them do it. Right. right. You, you equip the saints for the sure. work of the ministry, Ephesians 4, right? Right. And so they went off and, and did some thinking, and um, we were sort of kicking the can, but we didn't, we didn't know how to, to, to sort of what the next step was. And then in God's providence, I got a call from another ministry in a city that we support called DC 127. They work on reducing the foster care uh, list and, and to support vulnerable families, keeping them together. Um, and she calls to say, I got a friend in town that would like to meet you and tell you about what they do. And so I said, okay. And so I, I met this sister from a group, uh, an organization called Better Together. Uh, it's a national organization that puts together job fairs. Now, this was God's providence. We were sort of over here thinking about how do we do this? We don't know. And then literally the next week, three, four days later, this sister in God's kindness reaches out and says, hey, would you be willing to sit and talk? So we met at the Anacostia Library for about an hour, had a fantastic time. Um, and so basically what they do is work with churches to pull together job fairs in, in communities. Uh, and, and they provide a lot of resources and supports and training for churches and the volunteers. Wow. And they, they sort of early on did the heavy lifting of recruiting businesses. Um, and so they gathered 20, 25 businesses um, and, and, and sort of emphasized that, hey, listen, this is not sort of a thing where you're just sort of passing out business cards and people giving you applications, but, you know, nobody's really making any connections. We actually want you to hire on the spot. We want you to come prepared to make hires or come prepared to get as much of the interviewing process done as possible. And uh, we talk very hard about we, we want you to know that we hope to have a lot of people there who are returning citizens. So we want you to be prepared to hire people with criminal records who are trying to get back on their feet. Um, and so we walk through all of that. And then on, on the sort of job fair, the day of the job fair, um, people come. We would let them into the fair in, in like groups of 20 or 25. And I would have about 15 minutes with them where I would do about five minutes on the job fair itself and what to expect and encourage them, kind of rally them in that way, put their best foot forward. And I'd spend about 10 minutes preaching the gospel. Mm. And so, you know, we would have we'd have groups of 20, 25 kind of coming in every 15 minutes. And um, in our first two job fairs, I think we averaged like 400 people wow. from the community coming. We, we just went, you know, door to door, down the street, handing out flyers, inviting folks to come. And it was wild, man, because we would hand out a flyer and people would sometimes wouldn't want to take it. And they, they sort of be mean mugging you like, you know, bother me. I'm tired of people trying to sell stuff. Right. And I would say, hey, we're hosting a job fair. You know, we're going to have some employees. And the whole face would change. change. Job fair. Wow. Oh, man, I need a job. I, had, I met one brother. He's like, hey, look, give me five, six of those. I got a son, a grandson. I got some nephews. <laughs> like, like, they got to get out the house. They got to get a job. He, he did a Cornelius on you, man. He brought all everybody in. That's exactly right. Um, and so, you know, in that partnership wow. with Better Together, um, yeah, we've been able to have a couple of job fairs each year. Um, we've been able to partner with other community groups like the D.C. Dream Center and uh, other churches have sent over volunteers. Um, and it's been an amazing time. It is. It has been 
one of the most faith building and rewarding experiences I've had in the Christian ministry. Um, and so I, you know, the Lord's been kind to allow me to do a lot of things, but this one, this one gives me life in a way that, um, has just been unique mm. and, uh, it's a great joy. It's a mm. great joy. You know, one, one of the things that, um, one of the pieces of that, that's, that's really encouraging is, is the partnering piece. Mm-hmm. So the brother or the sister, the church planter, the team, they don't have to feel like that they're in, they have to do everything <laughs> Right. All by themselves, there are there 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 are in the in communities, uh, or sometimes even national organizations that mm-hmm. work within your community that mm-hmm. you can partner with, and yeah. uh, and so and then you say they did the heavy lifting, you know, getting hold of the employers, you know, mm-hmm. and setting. I mean, that's I mean, so y'all went out and got the people to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah. you get to do what you do. You preach. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly, and that's what. And that's part of their philosophy. I, lo- I love that about partnering with them. They, we want you to be the church. We want the church to be out front. So it's not like our name is plastered all over things. We want your church's name to be out front. And we want you to do what you do. Be community. Meet people. You know, care for people. You know, share the gospel with folk. Mm. Um, and then over the, over the next sort of job fair, too, they began to sort of build our capacity to recruit businesses and things of that sort. And so... Um, yeah, it's just, it's just been an amazing partnership, brother. Wow. So these are, these are, these are the kinds of, so, you know, when you think about mercy ministry, yeah, people typically think of benevolence. Well, right. We're just giving people, uh, we're handing some things to people, right? We're handing them some food. We you know, do some food baskets, you know, some, we do hand out book bags. I'm not knocking any of those things. Those are, those are beautiful ministries, right? But there are yep. other things that, that add to, that help people. Yeah. That are that um, that will lift them up. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, man, a job, a church co-sponsoring a job fair. I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah, and it's kind of all kinds of things that if we just think. And then you have people, like you said, in your church who who are thinking along these lines and you, mm-hmm. you let them go. Let them go with it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and we need a. I do think we need a radical reformulate reformulization of um "Quote unquote mercy ministry and 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 I would also say justice ministry, right? Sure. Um, and and part of that is a, a a mind shift and a heart shift that needs to happen with Christians, right? Because sometimes we're comfortable with mercy ministry in a way that we're not with justice ministry, and and here's why: because in mercy ministry we get to be the hero, we get to see ourselves as sort of the benighted, generous ones who are helping those poor, less fortunate folk." Well, justice is about giving people what they deserve, right? And sometimes that means it's going to cost us. And mm-hmm. so we, we shift from justice to mercy pretty easily. But I think justice needs to be a more prominent part of our, our thinking here. And I think we need to be as radical about this as changing even how we think about, for example, buildings, right? So, so most of our buildings, church buildings, are beautiful edifices or, or maybe transform warehouses that we spend like two days a weekend, three days oh. a weekend, oh, right? You're going to start the meddling. You're going to start the meddling. <laughs> listen, we, we get a big mortgage, pay a lot of money for a building that we will spend less than 10 or 15% of the weekend, right? Why not, for example, if you're going to convert a warehouse, why not sort of convert that warehouse to have a full-time business in that warehouse through the week? And then meet in that space on Sundays on the weekend, right? Right. 
Right. Um, Jonathan Brooks points this out too in his book, Church mm -hmm. Forsaken. He talks about how um, a lot of our church buildings, which are empty through the week, are taking up prime real estate that could be used in a way that develops the community sure. financially, right? Um, and so, you know, we need to rethink not just our benevolence ministries or mercy ministries, we need to think rethink the entire ministry, mm. even even our buildings, and, and sort of say, okay, what purposes are we sort of building this building for? Is it only to meet on Sunday for a couple of hours? Is that the best stewardship of Jesus's money? Mm. Is that the best presence in the community as missional people, how about we build? So I'm in a I'm in a food desert. How about we build a, a grocery store, right, where people can actually come and get some some fresh vegetables, right, right. And, and food, <laughs> right? Uh, how about we build a grocery store, and it's a grocery store Monday through Saturday, but then we we can sort of repurpose it, roll the shelves out of the way, and make it a make it a service, a sanctuary on. On Sunday um, or whatever business you would like right sure. um, and therefore get a sort of a bigger sort of bang for our stewardship buck and serve the community uh, in with a need like employment or groceries or what have you I just think we we need to we need to maybe have a more radical reconceptualization of churches and church spaces if we're going to sort of indigenize and insert ourselves in a way that leads to indigenization more effectively, and you know, and, and I'm listening to you, and I think it's, uh, I I think it's only radical because we just haven't thought about doing ministry like that. Mm -hmm. But when you think of uh, the need that you're meeting and the service that you're providing, right? It's really not that radical at all. That's right. So when you're, because yeah, what's the building for? The building is for us to meet in. Right. Mm -hmm. To be uh, I remember one old, old, old Southern Baptist minister. I won't mention his name, but anyway, I was listening to him one time years ago um, and uh, he said, wow, you just he said, you don't uh, what you need is a place, a place that's warm in the wintertime <laughs> and that's cool in the summertime, <laughs> he says to 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 quickly young ministers young church they want to go on let's get a building get a building get a building and so if they just stop and they just pause like and think about what you're talking about is mm -hmm. there a different way yeah. of doing this and we'll have our building for our our worship time for our our meetings our bible studies and whatever else we use the building for 15 to 20 percent of the time because what happens to bd if we're going to be honest now what happens is we build those nice buildings or we get those nice places then we start figuring out ways the building can be used that's right, that's because right. <laughs> because we figure out that we ain't in this thing enough that's right. Maybe somebody else will use it for, you know, start uh -huh. leasing it out and all of that, as opposed uh -huh. to going in on the front end and thinking of ways to be creative like that. Yeah, that's right. Or, or worse, we build these nice buildings and then we don't want those people in the community to come in and mess it up. Yeah. Right. And so we, we idolize buildings, man. And buildings get in the way of mission far more than I think we are aware or willing to admit. Yeah. And yet, for for the for the church planner, the new church planner, let me say this, because I know you're not really thinking about this. We think about you're thinking about a building right now, and uh, you probably can. Maybe you thought about it. You've worked it through. You can afford it, right? There's a thing with buildings, 
my brother. That's called maintenance. (laughs) (laughs) So what I would suggest before you invest in that building, go around the corner or somebody you know and talk to them about what it takes to maintain a building. Because that cost sometimes it's either, yep. it's, I mean, it's either um, we undervalue that and, it's, and, it, and it goes up every year. It goes yep. up every year. And is that the best way? Is that the, is that the most fruitful way uh, to steward, yep. steward God's money? Oh, interesting. Yep. I didn't, I, listen, when I envisioned this conversation, I didn't know you was going to start meddling with good folk in their buildings. <laughs> but I should have known anything, anything's up for grabs with the beanie, anything. <laughs> that's it, that's it. That's what the preacher do, the preacher meddles. Be meddling, but, man. But, you know, I, I ain't mad at folks with buildings. You know, no, we wish of course not. Of course you know, um, of course not. And, no. uh, and praise God, you know, the Lord blesses with buildings that, that, that facilitate ministry. Praise God. You know, oh, that's yeah. a wonderful yeah. thing. Um, but I, the, the question, whether we have one or not, is you know when it comes to sort of inserting ourselves into communities that are neglected and vulnerable um are we stewarding whatever space we have um in a way that uh, maximally serves the community that we're trying to reach it, it certainly needs to serve our church right we need to congregate and all that good stuff but have we really sat and thought about how do we leverage this uh, for mission Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking today about mercy and justice. I, I think it's an injustice, injustice for a church to be building rich and ministry poor mm-hmm. um, and, and be sort of not not really leveraging that effectively mm-hmm. to serve those who are around them. Wow. Wow. That's good, man. That really is good. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. I have one last question to ask you, and hopefully we can round round this conversation off with this. We've So far we've talked about or from the perspective of a church planter. Mm-hmm. So what about what about a church uh, revitalization perspective? How, the plate is already full going in. Yeah. You've got to get them deacons in order. <laughs> you got to figure out where the clicks are and all that stuff. But you want to, you're in this, you revi- you're working to revitalize this ministry. And uh, what should be the priority in making mercy ministry um, um, making yeah, making it a part of the DNA. It has not been in that congregation. W- where does that fall in? How do, how how would a young man, a team going in, uh, do something like that? What, so what this you, yeah, this is an established church, it's established church um, that doesn't have in its DNA sort of what we've been talking about in terms of mercy and justice ministry in the community. Sure. And you're a new pastor there, and the question is, where do you start? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I, yeah, it's a great question. I, I, you do not start with justice and mercy ministry. You start with the Bible. Mm. Uh, teach the people the Bible uh, patiently, slowly, thoroughly. Uh, work on uh, hitting singles uh, with your sermons every every time you're up at bat. Just a good, solid, clear, um, encouraging exposition from the Word. Um, while you're doing that. You work on getting to know your sheep. So one of the things I learned from Mark Devereux at Capitol Hill Baptist Church that I used for a while when I went to my first pastorate, what he called reverse membership interviews. That's where he takes the membership and he um, he sort of uh, ordered it from the persons who had been members the longest down to the persons who were most recent. 
And so he started meeting with the, the longest members, doing membership interviews with him. Tell, us, tell me, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me about church, tell me about the history, all those good things. That, that would be one practical way of just slowly getting to know the church. Uh, along with, you know, you've got Sunday school classes and other things. Just go be with the church, listen, sit under other people's ministries in Sunday school and mm. things of that sort. So your first order of business is to get to know the sheep that the Lord has given you to shepherd and to feed that sheep the word of God. And so that's where I would start and I would encourage them, make your main ministry after the ministry of the word and, and with the ministry of the word, make your main ministry to encourage them sincerely in every way that you can encourage them. Mm. So in your preaching, don't be talking about, oh, we got to, we got to get outside the church walls and start doing mercy ministry. Mm. And uh, that might be true. But if that's the note that they're hearing, what they're actually interpreting is you don't love us. Mm. You want to change us. You want to be somewhere else or make us something else. And that may be the furthest thing from your mind, but trust me when I tell you, that's that's the most likely thing that they're hearing. So don't 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 be making your applications and your illustrations, all the things that are going wrong or not being done that you want to see the Lord fix. The Lord's got some fixing to do on you too. So mm -hmm. make your main applications encouragements, and let me tell you for how long, for at least the first four or five years of your pastorate there. Mm -hmm. If after five years do people know that you love Jesus, you love the word of God, you love the gospel, you love them, then I think they'll follow you almost any place you're ready to go. And you'll be better able to lead them because you know them. You spent the time getting to know them. So I would say the first thing is, you know, we've been talking about church planting for most of this podcast, but right now we're talking about pastor planting. Mm -hmm. I, I one day I'm a writer. I want. I'd love to write a short book called Pastor Planting. It's how you plant yourself in a new congregation, right. um, and that's how I would encourage the young guy to start because they've been there longer than you. They know where the bodies are buried. They're waiting on you to make mistakes. They like the other guy more than they liked you anyway. You you got to work through all of that, but you right. got to do it very patiently, and um, and you got to prove that you love the folk and mm -hmm. and love the word in that way. Rich, just asked. I'm looking. See, I'm looking forward to. The book on pla pastor planting, yeah, that, that, but no, I, yeah, <laughs> but really, man, that uh, books there's no end, brother. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, that's true, and I, yeah, and buying them, and the and the buying of books, there's no end. Amen. 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 <laughs> they, um, but man, what what a good re what a great resource, what a great mm. resource. That's one of the, um, I mean, one of the joys I have now being an older minister is when um when younger ministers call and and with questions just like what i posed to you a moment ago you know when should i enter when should i introduce this uh you know what should be the strategy for introducing this right and what should be my focus first go, first going in i wish i had listened to older ministers when i took I my know, first right? pastorate right i know me too uh, i remember i remember one older minister man he's an old ame zion minister and he said lord lord look just preach jesus to him boy <laughs> don't go in there changing things. Just preach Jesus to him. I'm like, ah, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I gotta do. I gotta get this. Look, get that done. Yeah, 
I got done. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that, and that stuff still ain't done. Still- <laughs> and, but they still a church. Yeah. They still a church. <laughs> Man, so that that would be excellent because uh, the things that we're talking about, the things that um, the Creek Collective hopes to do, and what we trusting the Lord will um, enable us to do, that He will um, you know grace us to do. Um, it, it's, it includes all of that. It, it includes, yeah, um, guys uh, and people, teams that are brand new, uh, planning a brand new work. But mm-hmm. it also it involves, you know, helping existing churches who just need a little tune-up. Right? That's right. And That's right. Uh, so, so it goes. So this, this ministry, I, I'm grateful uh, for the Creek Collective, man. I'm grateful. I think we have um, probably one of the healthiest teams that I've ever been on, mm, you know, amen. with the diversity amen. and the, um, yeah, just a, God has just put together a great team, great board, and it's exciting. And uh, folks, if you want to know more about what the Crete Collective is doing, and if you want, uh, if you desire some more information, just shoot us a line and somebody would be glad to get on the phone, get on the Zoom call maybe even with you. T's going to put on a, a, a suit and a tie <laughs> on the Zoom call <laughs> with you. T, man, thanks so much, man, um, for sharing this time, man. And uh, anything, any, 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 any parting shot, sh- uh, shots, man? Man, you know I'm a preacher. If I take a parting shot, it's going to be a whole sermon. So I, I better stop right there. <laughs> Good. Well, see, so you've learned some things, right? <laughs> every once in a while, you teach your old dog a new trick. Every, so. every once in a while. <laughs> Folks, we are so glad you joined us, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again uh, on the front porch. Until then, Amen. may the Lord bless you richly. Amen. God bless.